Well, you might not know it from the temperature outside, but the calendar says so, that summer is coming to a close. And growing up in Louisiana, our family spent many of the summer weeks north of New Orleans in the piney woods of St. Tammany Parish. And we do pray for those in Louisiana at this hour as Ida is about to make landfall. And let me tell you and share um, a thanks for worrying about my family. My mother has gotten out. She's up in Nashville with my sister. And my in-laws are on plenty high enough ground. But even further north of New Orleans is Washington Parish, which had a special place in my childhood heart. It was the closest place where we could find a soft-served ice cream cone. <laughs> and Washington Parish is renowned for its watermelons. It's the soil. It has the perfect balance of acidity. And it lends to having a wonderfully sweet melon when it ripens. And so you see many of the growers selling their watermelons at the roadside stands or in the local markets. And while we were in Folsom, Mom would bring home those watermelons. Now, watermelons are by no means limited to Louisiana, but many are grown here in Florida, out in Immokalee, and I hope that you too, over the summer months, enjoy a good watermelon. The biggest question, of course, is how do you pick the right one when you're at the grocery store? Growing up, I would see my mother knocking on them, and so I inherited that same trait, knock on a watermelon to see if it's the right one. So while Virginia and I were out at the grocery store last week, we both were knocking on watermelons, and then we looked at each other and said, what exactly are we listening for? <laughs> Mom never taught us that. But I looked it up. If you knock on a watermelon and it makes a hollow sound, it means it's ripe, but if it's makes a sound like it's full, it's not quite ready. That sound leading to know what's in the heart of a melon, whether it's going to be delicious or not quite ready. We're not watermelons, that's true. But we do have hearts, hearts that are near God and hearts that wander farther away. It is good and holy to reflect on our hearts, our motives, our hopes and dreams, our hearts, which in turn guide our actions, those things that we do or leave undone. There are different ways to examine one's heart, but for today, let's think about what we say the words we use. Jesus called the crowd together and he talks about the human heart and intentions. All of those things, sins, those things that separate our hearts from God. It's in our letter from James 2 that seeks to guide us into understanding God's word implanted deep within us and how that shoots forth into our words and actions. Later on in the letter of James, we have these words about the words we use, how our tongues wag. 
If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large, it takes strong winds to drive them. Yet they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue, the small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. So I'd ask you, did you tell someone this morning, did you tell a person that you loved them? Did you use those words? Have you kept your mouth shut rather than jump in with your opinion? Did you refrain from speaking? Have you already insulted someone this morning? Muttered slurs while reading the newspaper? Have you said thank you to someone today? Maybe looked the usher in the eye and said thank you for that bulletin. What do these words and the words you've used already today say about your heart? As you reflect, know that God is right there alongside you. I've shared on many occasions the importance of Psalm 139 in my life with its vision of God searching me out and knowing me, knowing all my ways. And in verse 3, these words. Indeed, there is not a word on my lips, but you, O Lord, know it altogether. If your heart is struggling to overcome pride or folly, slander, if you are thirsting to have a heart that is giving and joyful and proud of all the lives around you, rather than sulking in selfishness, there is not a word on your lips or a feeling on your heart that God doesn't already know. And that's a blessing. Because with that knowledge, we can simply offer a prayer. God, you know me. Help me. Help me to be holier. And if that simple prayer is on your lips and in your heart all day long, you'll begin to see your heart struggle a little bit more. Your heart will strive a little bit more to give thanks, to compliment rather than curse, to love. And then that tongue of yours and your words will guide and inform your actions steering them so that you truly become a doer of the word, not merely a hearer. So this morning, on your way home from church, stop by the grocery store and go knock on a couple of watermelons. <laughs> a hollow sound means it's right. If it sounds like it's full, it's not quite there. Now, I know some of you aren't going to eat a whole watermelon, so you could always go knock on your neighbor's door and share. Tell them you heard a good sermon today. <laughs> but even more importantly, knock on your heart. If the sounds in your voice and the words that come out aren't what you want them to be, work on it through prayer, day by day, and then allow your actions to follow 
and your life with God will grow. And then you, then you, like those Washington Parish watermelons, will sweeten the world and make it a better place.